Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hope everybody is warm. Uh, warm enough at least. And uh, doing well. All the snow should be gone by midweek, I would assume. Hopefully the ice will melt off too. That's thick. I mean, my goodness, the back door is that two inches thick. By the back door, we had to chunk out yesterday just to get into the church building. So, fun times for sure. Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, let's look starting in verse number 22. We'll just read a couple verses. Hebrews 10, starting verse 22. The Bible says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I'm going to take three thoughts out of these verses this morning, and uh, we'll see what the Lord will give us with them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for letting us come this morning, whether it be in person or through technology. Thank you for safety and provision, and uh, Lord, we do pray for, uh, I know Adam and Cindy still waiting to get their power back, and um, just other difficulties that people have had with the weather, so Lord, we pray that you would provide in those needs. And God, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we take just a few minutes to look into your word. I pray that we'd learn from it. I pray that we'd grow from it. I pray that we'd be encouraged by it as well. And God, I pray that uh, you would just help us to have a profitable time this morning. I ask that you'd help me to present these verses clearly and correctly. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10 here, we're looking, of course, leading into what we call the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. It's all about the different people that God lists that have uh, by faith, by faith, by faith, all those kinds of things. And in Hebrews 10, a lot of times pastors like to focus in on verse 25, the not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, and talk about the importance of church and coming together as Christians, worshiping together and things like that. We will touch on that this morning. But I want us to look at a couple of the other verses as well. And so we're going to start with point number one, which is draw near. Draw near. In verse 22, the Bible says, Let us draw near... And it says, with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So here, the, obviously, the idea of drawing near, drawing near to Christ, drawing near to God, uh, getting closer to Him so that we can learn more, so that we can be protected better, so that we can be provided for. Those sorts of things all go into this. But he gives us really four things um, uh, that we need to have in order to draw near. He says, first of all, with a true heart, meaning no hypocrisy, meaning pure to a degree in our heart. Uh, the Bible tells us to trust the Lord with all our heart. The Bible says to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And this idea of being uh, fully committed to God with our, uh, all of our heart, not just part of it, not just the majority of it, not just half of it, but a true heart, a pure heart, a clean heart, a full heart, surrender to Christ, drawing near to Christ. Right, because there are times where we will say, I want to get closer to God, but... I really don't want to give this up, or I don't want to stop this, or I don't want to change this. 
And so I'll get as close to God as I can while still staying the same way that I am. And the Bible here says, draw near with a true heart, with no hypocrisy, with a clean and pure heart, just as we are to trust in God with all our heart and love God with all our heart. Then it says in verse 22, with full assurance of faith, meaning no distrust, no doubt. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please God. So to have a full assurance of faith, a, 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 a faith that is without doubt. Um, we always use the example a lot of times as a chair, so I don't have one with me. Uh, but uh, if you had a chair, and, and in most cases when you have a chair and you're going to sit down in this chair, you have full confidence the chair is going to hold you up. Most places that you sit, you don't think before you sit, is this chair going to crumble when I sit down? Most of us won't sit on a chair unless we have full confidence that it's going to hold us up. So at camp, in many years I spent at camp, we had these white plastic fold-out chairs. I still have them in the, the dining hall. And um, we got new ones like, I don't know, a decade later. So we had the old chairs and the new chairs all in the dining hall. And once we got the new chairs, I would never sit in the old chair. I still don't. When I go back, I know the difference between the two, and I still sit in the newer of the chairs as opposed to the older of the chairs. Why? Because I watched as people every week would crumble to the ground when they sat in these older chairs. Now, there's some you know, variance to that. So they were cracked by the hinges and stuff like that, and people just didn't notice, and we didn't notice because we weren't paying attention to it and whatever. And so it happened. Uh, but it was embarrassing, right? When it happens, someone falls through the chair, and no matter how small the person is, everybody goes, oh, that's hilarious, and, and whatever through there. So even today, when I go back to camp, I look for, I can tell by the top of the chair that there's a difference. Anyways, I know which ones are newer, which ones are older. I still, to this day, I'll switch chairs around, because I don't sit where the table leg is, and I sit in a new chair. So I switch chairs around so I don't fall through. You see, a lot of times, with God, though, instead of having that full confidence, that full assurance of faith, we have that hope, right, in our mind. I know God can, I hope that He will. Uh, I know that God is able, but I don't necessarily fully trust that He's going to. And so, God, I have faith, eh, kind of, that you, that, I, I do have faith that you can. I, the faith that I oftentimes question is that He will. Um, the Bible talks about praying and praying for uh, 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 what you need, knowing that God is going to answer it, having confidence that God will answer it. And that's what it's talking about here, drawing near uh, uh, with a full assurance of faith, without distrust, without doubt. Then he goes on to say, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, meaning free from guilt, meaning forgiven, meaning in that moment righteous. None of us are perfect, none of us are righteous. But the Bible does say that uh, if we sin... God is faithful. Uh, if we confess our sins, God is faithful uh, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when we sin, we ought to go to God and ask for forgiveness. And so in order to draw near to God, we need to have that clean heart. We need to be at that moment of, uh, that we are righteous. Now obviously we're going to go to God when we are guilty, when we are in sin, to ask forgiveness for sin, to get forgiveness from sin. But we need to go to draw nearer to God, to, to maintain that fellowship, to draw closer to God. We need to go with a clean heart, with one that is free from guilt, one that has been forgiven and has nothing in between me, me and him. And then it says in verse 22 that our bodies are washed with pure water. 
Uh, some will use this verse to talk about baptism. Um, I, I can't say that that's not what it means, but uh, I think it has more of a spiritual sense to the, the idea of living in the Spirit, really baptized in the Spirit and not just uh, by, in the flesh or in water. And this idea of, uh, if you remember the priests, they would have to wash before they entered into the temple. They would have to be clean physically, and it was somewhat symbolic, but also spiritually, of course. And this idea of being washed, of being uh, clean as we approach God for worship, as we approach God to draw near to Him, it all kind of plays together. If you're going to draw near, you need to have a true heart. You need to be full of assurance of faith. You need to have your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and the body's washed with pure water. It is the idea of having a heart uh, that is prepared to draw closer to God. If you want to know how much God cares about your heart, your inward, your, your, your mind, go and listen to Jesus' sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. And every point comes back to the heart. And that's what we're talking about with God. We, we do so many actions on the outside to make people think that we're close to God, or maybe even to make ourselves think that we're close to God, and we ignore the most important thing, which is our heart. Now, our, our outward will be ultimately show what our heart is. But uh, we can fake it for a long time, right? We can pretend, we can trick people, all that kind of stuff because we look the part or we do the part, whatever. But God says your heart is what's important for in order for you to draw near to me. Do you want to be close to God? If you do, you need to get your heart where it's supposed to be so that you can be close to God. Number one is draw near. Number two is hold fast. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. The idea here of embracing the truth and the power of both the gospel and the scriptures. Holding fast, holding firm. You have to be confident in order to hold fast. Uh, you've got to be secure and able to hold fast. You have to embrace what it is that you're holding on to. And so if we will embrace the truths of Scripture and the Gospel and hold fast to it. And the Bible says without wavering, without doubting, without disputing, uh, we're going to get under attack. We know it's the case. The Bible tells us that clearly. And so the Bible says that when you're under attack, hold fast to truth. Hold fast to the Scriptures. Why should we do that? It says in verse 23, For He is faithful that promised. Because it's the uh, same mindset as, um, I love Him because He loved me. God is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love God because God loved me. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Faithful is He who calleth you who also will do it. Meaning that God who has given you a purpose, given you a, a direction, given you a, a, a commission, He is faithful to help you accomplish it. He's called you to it. He's going to help you do it. And, uh, and that's what we're talking about with holding fast uh, to the faith. Why? Because God is faithful. So it shows us it should motivate us to then be faithful as well and to hold fast to the truth and the power of the Scriptures. You know, we, um, we oftentimes waver because the world tells us we're wrong. Or sometimes we waver because someone just simply asks a question and we don't know the answer to it. And so our first thought is, wait, is, are they right? 
Uh, yeah, I, I'm telling you, this is happening all over the place now. You get these, and it's always been this way, but you get these college students who think they're really, really smart, and uh, they have they've went through Bible college, and they go through theology classes and doctrine classes and all these things, and, uh, and they think they've got it all answered. And then someone from the world or someone from, uh, um, uh, that believes a false doctrine comes up and challenges them on something that they've not studied. And next thing you know, they're sitting there going, oh, I guess, I guess they're right. I guess I'm wrong. I guess everything that I ever learned was wrong because of this question. And the re- reality is they don't know the truth, so they haven't held fast to the truth. And, you know, oftentimes as Christians, listen, we don't know everything. <laughs> if you think you do, I promise you, you're wrong. Uh, we don't know everything, and especially when it comes to the Scriptures, there is always something we can learn. And we, that's why it's so important that we study, and so important that we read, and so important that we ask God to enlighten us on it. And we see this importance of holding fast because when truth gets questioned, it might be questioned in such a way that sounds so good, even though it's wrong. Uh, this is, the, you get these uh, um, smooth talkers. That man doesn't. It seems like it doesn't matter what they say; it just sounds right. You're like, man, that man, that person's smart. That person must be smarter than me. I've never heard that before. Wow, that's impressive. I didn't know that. Okay, well, now now throw it up against scripture and see if it sticks. And we get in this problem where we allow um, whether it be. Uh, uh, things that we don't know that, that, that we're challenged on, and instead of finding the truth, we just run with what we heard, uh, or we can hold fast to truth. And again, in order to hold fast to it, we have to know it, and it's important that we know it, and that we study it, and prepare for it, that we have an answer whenever it comes. And when I say that, listen, I get asked questions that I don't know the answer to. And sometimes, it, I, it's always better to say, let me get back with you, as opposed to saying, making up something, um, you know, just trying to make your way through it. It's okay to say, I don't know, let me find out. And ask for some time to find the answer to it. But we have to hold fast the truth. There are so many things in Scripture that we know are true, that the world is telling us are not true, that people are, are arguing with us about, that people are against us on. And you have to make that decision that I'm going to hold fast to it. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to dispute it. I'm going to hold fast to truth, and I'm going to stand my ground on it, no matter who is against me. So number one is draw near. Number two is hold fast. And then number three is forsake not. Forsake not. Verse 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Uh, in order to forsake not, and we're talking here specifically, brothers and sisters in Christ, of not forsaking the gathering together of Christians, consider, first of all, consider your brother and sister. This idea of verse 24, let us consider or observe or see or take note of other another to provoke unto love and to good works. Consider your brother and sister in Christ uh, having consideration or concern for their wants, for their weaknesses, and for their temptations. So we're going to now take a, uh, a look at someone in the church and we're going to think, think about what, are, what are, do they want, 
not, not a selfishness on myself, um, but how can I help them? What do they want? Uh, what are their weaknesses? How can I edify, build up, strengthen them? And what are their temptations? What do I need to stay away from? What do I need to help them stay away from? What do I need to avoid in conversation? Those kinds of things there. And we're considering them not for judgment, but for love, and to provoke them to further love and to further good works. So the consideration, the concern over my brother or sister in Christ is for the purpose of helping. Um, and we've gotten into this mindset in the church, not our church specifically, but in church in general, where we want to know everything about someone uh, for the purpose of me knowing everything about them, <laughs> me being nosy, right? And so we got to know everything about them. And then all of a sudden, it's, oh, I can't believe they did this. Boy, how, oh man, what shame, shame, shame. It's in their past. We're so glad that they're over it, but my goodness. Um, uh, you know, well, their, their weakness, you, we find out what their weakness is, and instead of uh, helping them uh, by uh, maybe bringing more to their strengths uh, or helping them in their weakness, instead we just look down at them because they have a weakness. Um, oh, well, they're, they're not, they don't teach in Sunday school. Mm, they must not know their Bible. <laughs> now, teaching isn't for everybody. It's, not, it's just the way it is. They don't sing out very loud during the singing. Thank the Lord for that uh, sometimes, right? Um, there's, there's other things obviously out there. They're not very uh, giving or they're not very kind or they're not very tender or they're not very whatever it is. And we sit there and we kind of judge them for their weakness instead of knowing their weakness in order to edify, in order to help, in order to encourage it's not for judgment, it's for love and good works. It says there in verse 24, uh, let us consider one another to provoke, to stir up uh, them to love and to good works. The idea that a Christian would ever do something to, an, and really to any human being, but to another Christian for the purpose of beating them down, of making them feel bad, of uh, even causing them to do evil, to do wrong. Right? We've seen that. It's so sad, but it's true. We've seen it. We've seen pastors do this. Where the, what they've done is they've provoked people to do wrong. Whether it be covering up sin, whether it be committing sin, whatever it is. And it's this mindset of control over someone. Judging them, making them feel bad, whatever. And, and in that case, getting them to do something that's not right. We see it with individuals where they, they um, take advantage of someone because they know that they're not going to say anything to them. Um, we've, seen, we've seen it in churches uh, my whole life where you have people that are just, they're just rude and they're just mean. But they're only to certain people because they know those people aren't going to do anything about it. And, uh, and what they end up doing is causing hurt and harm. And the Bible says you ought to consider, show concern and compassion for your brothers and sisters to provoke them, to stir them up unto love and to good works. Our theme is love thy neighbor. We should help each other love our neighbors. We don't, it's not a competition, right? Who can love their neighbor the most? That's in June. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's not a competition who can love their neighbor the most. It is a team effort, a group effort, a, uh, a called out body of believers of a local church that together is going to show concern one for another, to provoke or to stir up to love and to good works, so that we can love our neighbor together. 
forsake not each other because number one, we need to consider one another and, and, and lead to love and good works. And then the verse that we always talk about as pastors in verse 25, uh, forsake not the assembling together. Now we always talk about it in the matter of church setting. Uh, right, I, I heard this when, the, uh, when March hit and the, the restrictions came down and everybody, you know, give us two weeks to flatten the curve and we need everybody just to kind of avoid gatherings and all that kind of stuff. I heard pastors say the Bible says we have to assemble together and we should not go online and these kinds of things. And that's fine for them to say uh, it is what it is. But nonetheless, uh, the Bible is, it, this is talking about more than just church. It's not just come to the church building and sit in a pew and, and be there for the hour, whatever it is, and then go home. That's not all that it's talking about. I think that's included, um, going to a, 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 a assemble together for the purpose of worship, come together for worship like we do at church, but it's for prayer. You should not forsake the assembling of yourselves together for prayer. Coming together as Christians, praying together. We do that at church. We do that as men once a month uh, on Saturdays. But we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together uh, for prayer, for worship, like we talked about with church, for fellowship, uh, for the purpose of edification. Uh, some people get so caught up in religion that they forget that there is other days of the week that Christians are supposed to be encouraging one another. It's not just when we show up on Sunday. It's good, and I know it's hard to do right now in our current uh, setup as, as, a, as a state and a country, but uh, it's good to go out to eat. It's go out, good to go out and grab some coffee. It's good to get together and help each other with a project. It's good to serve together uh, outside of the regular services and things like that. It's good to fellowship with fellow believers. And you should not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And then the Bible says at the end of verse 25, it says, uh, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There is going to come a day uh, that we are going to leave the earth, uh, either through death or through God calling us to heaven in the rapture. And there is coming a day when God is going to return to earth, and, and at that point, what has happened has happened, and that's kind of it for the most part in the saying that, that we have an opportunity now to assemble together. And the Bible says we should do it more as you see that day approaching. Um, you've heard, I'm assuming, the phrase, the signs of the times. If you look in Scripture, there are things that point to the end times. And there are things happening today that match up with what the Bible says is a sign that the end of time is coming. Now, it also, things happened in Paul's day in Scripture that pointed to signs of the times also. And we don't know the day or the hour. The Bible tells us that when God is coming back. We don't, it could be today, yes. It could be in 20 years. It could be in 100 years. We don't know. But everything that we can see going on in the earth between worldwide politics between uh, natural disasters, uh, between the actions of people and the attitudes of people, it points to the fact that God is coming soon. And in saying that, I, you know I am not a doomsday preacher. Uh, as a matter of fact, I am sometimes lean the other direction saying, 
uh, you know, we, we need to take advantage of the time that we have, yes. Um, and, and in my mentality is, I somewhat hope that God is, we're running out of time. All right, I'm going to hurry up, Zoom, calm down. Um, I'm kind of hoping that, uh, and I have even asked God, God, give us more time. Because I know that there's more that I should have accomplished before this point in my life that I want to accomplish. Because I have loved ones and I have friends that I know are lost. And so my, my prayer is God be patient with us. Um, but, you know, the, the, we cannot deny the fact that there are things happening in the world today that match up with Scripture that says the time is near that God is going to return. So God says, assemble, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together and do it so much the more as you see the day approaching. As, as, it, as it appears of Christ's return is soon, you better not forsake each other. You better get together and pray. You better get together and worship. You better get together and fellowship because time is short. How short is it? I have no idea. But the time is coming. And so as a Christian, I think today we can learn three important things. Number one, we need to draw near. None of us would argue that. We need to get closer to God. In order for us to do that, we have to have a true heart full of assurance of faith, a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, and bodies washed with pure water. Our heart has to be clean so that we can draw as close to God as possible. We have to hold fast, embrace the truth and the power of the gospel and scripture. Without wavering, hold fast. Why? Because he is faithful that promised. And then lastly, we must forsake not. Uh, consider, show concern, show consideration for your brothers and sisters, for their wants, their weaknesses, and their temptations. And use that to provoke love and good works. Not judgment, not guilt, not hardship. Edify. And forsake not the assembling of yourselves together uh, for prayer, for worship, for fellowship. And do it so much more as we see the day approaching. I, I've talked about this before, but if you'll take just a, a, an, an hour... And do a little research on where your time is spent during the week. Uh, see where your time is spent, what you do. Write it down so you can see it in front of you. Um, and, and know, all right, uh, you, if you ask people um, anything about Christianity, um, can you read your Bible more? Yes, I should read my Bible more, I just don't have time. Can you pray more? Yes, I can pray more, I just don't have time. Can you serve more? Yeah, I can serve more, I just don't have time. Listen, the older I get, the more I realize everybody's busy. I've yet to meet someone who's not been busy, at least in their own mind, right? Make time to do the things that God tells you to do. Because if you don't, you're only going to get further away from God. You want to draw near to God? Make time and draw near to God. Make time to do what you're supposed to do so that you have that clean heart so that you can draw near to God. Uh, you want to uh, um, <clears throat> assemble the way God tells you to assemble, to pray more, to edify more, fellowship more, worship more with fellow believers. Make time. You just got to do it. It's just one of those things where if you're not going to make the time for it, it won't happen. But you've got the time. You just got to look at where you're wasting time, uh, uh, plain and simple. And then hold fast. You're not going to hold fast if you don't make the time. If you don't make the time to know truth. If you don't make the time to learn truth, to grow in truth, you're not going to hold fast when the attacks come. You're going to hold fast for a little while and you're going to say, this is too hard. 
I'm out. Um, God doesn't say, yeah, it is hard. It's okay. You can let go now. No, he says, hold fast. Hold fast to the truth. Forsake not each other. <clears throat> and uh, draw nearer to God. Lord, thank you for letting us come this morning. God, thank you for the truths of Scripture. Thank you for uh, the, uh, the giving and openness, uh, Lord, of your word that we can learn from and that we can grow from. And God, I pray that you'd help us to dedicate or rededicate ourselves to you. Now, Lord, we will be what you want us to be, how you want us to be it. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to draw nearer to you. And we know that starts with having a pure heart, a clean heart. So God, help us with the things in our lives that we need to change or get rid of or add. Lord, help us to commit to that. And God, I pray that you'd help us to hold fast because we are told and we know we are under attack from Satan every single day. Lord, help us to hold fast to truth. And God, I pray that you'd help us to not forsake each other. As Lord, you've placed us into a, uh, um, a group of people, Lord, that are together for a, for a common cause to accomplish the Great Commission, to reach our community and the world. And God, I pray that you'd help us to, to be together as a church, unified, Lord, together the way you want us to be. And God, that we would truly be a church that lifts up and edifies and encourages as opposed to beats down and judges. God, help us to have the right spirit within our church and to be the church, Lord, that you want us to be. And God, we pray for your help uh, throughout the rest of this week. Provide for our needs. Keep us safe, Lord. Take care of the different things that are going on. And God, we will look to you. And Lord, in confidence, and we will trust you to answer these prayers. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we've got a couple minutes before the Zoom cuts off. And then I'm just going to spend time with my favorite people. I mean, uh, with these people uh, this morning. Uh, thank you all for coming, for joining however you can. Uh, Lord willing, the weather will melt off all the snow and everything. And we'll be good to go on Wednesday night back here at the church and, uh, and whatnot from there. But if you need anything, please do let us know. And uh, thank you for, for uh, making it one way or the other this morning as well. So God bless you. That's it for today. Uh, we're not going to do afternoon service today. Um, just so you're aware of that. And uh, so you're welcome to stick around and fellowship, those that are here if you'd like to, um, or go outside and sled, however you want to do it. But, uh, um, but this is going to be it for our services today. So thank you all so much. Uh, Lord bless you. Let's go ahead and be dismissed.